kill you and choose afternoons. I am in the <laughs> Hall of Champions. That's what I'm calling it. Not the cat key closet, the Hall of Champions. But I, I look at my two fellow brothers, and uh, it looks like uh, Chad Brown looks spectacular, as always. And uh, Nate looks like he's a longshoreman. So <laughs> It's cold, Nate, man. It's, 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 it's cold. It's, it's longshoreman weather, dude. Come on. You know that. Hey, when in Rome, right? You know, they say right. Rome was, wasn't built in a day, right? I've been there. I, 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 can, I know that. I, I looked around. I was like, man, this must have taken at least a week. It, it was... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chad, uh, before we get into everything today, where are you off to this weekend? I am off to Madison, Wisconsin. I've got Ohio State at Wisconsin. Uh, Ohio State's a potential wow. playoff team. Yes. Uh, Wisconsin is trying to get things uh, figured out. They went from a power-based scheme to a spread uh, scheme. They still got power personnel, so the results have been a bit uneven this year. It should be a game. There are some ways that Wisconsin could find a way to pull this out. It'll be uh, a game that features two of the best running backs in the Big Ten, uh, maybe the best defense in the Big Ten in Ohio State. Uh, it should be a fun one. What time well, is it? Uh, in two hours. Let's go. <laughs> okay. All right, well, right. Nate, that's a funny question. Should we tell that story now? I feel comfortable in telling how Chad misses sure. the story now. Oh, yeah, you should. Yeah. Yes, so last week, uh, the text from DMAC came out and said, what is your hard out? I said what my hard out was. We didn't even start until my hard out started. So I was 20 minutes late getting off the podcast. So by the time I get to DIA, running through the B concourse to the very end to get to those United Small Plains, because I was going to Birmingham, Alabama, uh, I missed my flight by about 30 seconds. Thanks, oh. fellas. But it shows you how dedicated I am to this dang podcast. Oh were you my running, God, through, the, so hey, were you running through the terminal, jumping over people like OJ? Uh, similar, yes. I was on very on purpose to make that flight, and I did not. But luckily, I was able to catch a, another flight through Chicago. So my two-hour, 15-minute flight turned to four hours of airtime. Again, Man. thanks, guys. I appreciate that. You know, I Happy wonder Friday to if you. people get that OJ reference. <laughs> <laughs> There's others they may um, come to terms with quicker. Guys, kill you with truth. Let's look at the Broncos. Then we'll get to the bus, and I'll bring up what Jason Whitlock said about Deion Sanders. But first, I think they can beat the Chiefs if they do a couple of things. <laughs> I think you have to – I do. No, I, think I, you do. Have, I agree. I agree. Okay. I think you have to minimize Travis Kelsey. Let's hope Taylor Swift is not in attendance. That appears to be some sort of key. But I think <laughs> if you can be physical and limit – Travis Kelsey, you give yourself a shot. I spoke with Patrick Sertan about it, and this is where I want your feedback. And Sertan obviously is with most of the better receivers, but their best receiver is a tight end. So what I asked, and I'm going to ask you guys from an X's and O's perspective, what I suggested to Sertan, and he agreed with me, by the way, is that would it be better to be more physical with Kelsey at the line of scrimmage? And despite the fact that Sertan's not as big as Travis Kelsey, he's not a small man, and he's a strong guy. 6'2", he's strong. Guys, would it make sense to just put Sertan at the line against Kelsey, get physical with them at the point of contact at the line of scrimmage, and then take your best chances having Sertan cover him one-on-one? -on -one? Chad? 
All right, Andy Reid is no idiot. He recognizes that Travis Kelsey is his key to the to the offense and the most important receiver they have out there on the field for the Chiefs. So they do things schematically to make what you just talked about very difficult because that seems like an obvious solution. Uh, but they put Travis Kelsey in bunch formations. He just doesn't line up at the end of the line of scrimmage because that would allow teams to do what you talked about, just jam him, disrupt him, get him off his route, disrupt the timing. But they put him in those bunch formations. They put him in motion. They put him off the line of scrimmage. That would make it very difficult to do those things. So, uh, yeah, that should be a great plan for about uh, 30 to 40% of the snaps. But the other 60% of the snaps, he's going to be in a situation where it's going to be very difficult to get hands on him off the line of scrimmage because he's going to be, again, in a bunch formation. They're going to be crossing routes. They're going to be crossing releases, things that are very difficult to jam. So it's more than just a simple solution. It's going to take some serious uh, scheming from Vance Joseph to really slow him down. And then at that point, if you're going to devote that much defensive mindset and energy and focus to one guy, there's enough talent on that team for Patrick Mahomes to hurt you with other people. Yeah, I think um, two things on that. Um, yeah, as a receiver, tight end, you don't like someone in your face. You don't like someone jamming you on the line of scrimmage. You love a free release. And so if you can do that, sure, do it. Put your most physical corner out there, um, Pastor Tan. Uh, I was talking to Steve Atwater yesterday. He was suggesting put Riley Moss on him because he's very handsy. He's got long arms. He's a he's wow. a physical player. Put Riley Moss on him and have him try to, you know, jam him on the line of scrimmage and give him some help over the top or make him force him one way and give him help that way or something like that. But like Chad said, you know, he's in bunch. He's in motion. He's coming out of the backfield. He's doing a lot of stuff that, 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 that doesn't allow you to get hands on him. And when he is in bunch, he'll be the last guy to kind of go out into his route. He lets the play develop in front of him. He's so savvy. He lets the zone reveal itself and he hooks up and he's an easy target for Pat Mahomes. And also you got to put pressure on Patrick Mahomes, not let him sit, sit back there and, and pick you apart with Travis Kelsey. So it's a twofold thing. Um, yes, you want to put hands on Travis Kelsey. You're not going to be able to do it every play, but let's get to Pat Mahomes. Let's put him on his ass. That'll affect uh, Travis Kelsey's success. And uh, and let's just shut Taylor Swift up. You know, let's see their sad face. <laughs> let's see their sad face handshake. Do they have one of those? That's what I want to see. Well, what would the sad face handshake look like? Nate, I'll do it with you. Your hand up here. Let's go right, right here we go. Beep, 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 beep. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for everybody listening on Spotify, we just we just did the universal sign for Sad. Sad face. Sad face. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I did hey, talk can to I say, oh, Can ahead. I say one more thing about the argument we've been having the last two days about Pastor Tan? Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I just want to make a point. Because I read in the comments, they're like, Nate's so emotional about it, and the other guys are so pragmatic. It's just a philosophical <laughs> I'm an emotional guy, okay? It's a philosophical difference. My feeling is this. It doesn't matter how high your draft picks are if they go into a culture that lacks excellence. And I think you get more out of a third or a fourth round pick with a culture of excellence than you do out of a first round pick with a culture of crap. And Pat Sertan is the guy who could build a culture of excellence. So when you bring in guys, you get more out of them. If you deal guys like Pat Sertan and let them walk and deal all your best players, then the guys you have coming in, they may be great talent, but who do they have to show them the way? What kind of standard of excellence do they have? They have zero. This is just a philosophical difference between you guys and me. I think that the rising tide gets more out of lower draft picks than a shitty tide out of higher draft picks. That's my thought. 
I I lived on the water my entire growing up. I've I've never heard of a shitty tide. It's, I've heard of high tide and low tide. But there's some there's some touristy tide. there's some touristy cities in Mexico that ha- cannot handle the amount of tourists that are going in. The infrastructure is sending the sewage back into the surf. That's called That's the shitty, a shitty tide. tide. That's Sayulita. Wow. Okay, Chad, do you want to respond to uh, Nate's very emotional defense? Uh, I hear what Nate's saying. I, I, I just feel very comfortable in the stance that you and I have, that cornerback is a dependent position. Uh, Patrick, Patrick Sertan is not enough to turn this culture into a winning culture to his desired point there as he's eating, what's that, Rice Krispies? What is that? Uh, oh, oh, Oatmeal. 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 Okay. Um uh, <laughs> distracting me from my point here so that's that's not going to be enough so patrick tan has value uh but not enough value to turn this thing around and while we need to turn this thing around the value for patrick tan is to get draft picks back for him it's got really nothing to do with patrick tan as a player it's nothing personal towards him it's just the most pragmatic to your point to the commenter's point way to think about this thing it removes the emotion from it yes he's a great player we all acknowledge that there's nothing wrong with patrick tan it's just there's something wrong with the broncos in order to best fix the Broncos, yeah. you've got to get some draft capital back, provide some surety because Pastor Tan could leave without re-signing. He could demand so much money that makes him impossible to sign. This way you can get something back for him while he's, while you, you still can. For the record, for the record, unless they get blown out by the Chiefs, which I don't think is going to happen, even if they just lose to the Chiefs, but it's somewhat of a, a game, I don't think Pastor Tan is going to be traded. I just know how he is regarded inside of the building. I know despite the things that Chad and I are saying, Nate, I will be stunned if he actually gets traded. That's that's how highly he's actually regarded. The thing, the reason this sparked up was because Albert Breer put out, you know, uh, a tweet earlier or an article this week suggesting that the Broncos would listen to um, calls about Sertan. That was surprising, but I would be shocked. I do think one or two guys will be traded. Uh, I'm not exactly sure who they're going to be. And I actually do think it matters what happens on Sunday. If you win, if you win, they might not trade anybody. Seriously. They, they may still roll with, like, we got plenty of time left here. Look at the Lions. If they lose but it's close, you might see one or two guys. If they get blown out, if they get blown out and Russ looks bad, then maybe in that circumstance, but only then. That's why this game is really, really important. I know it's low on the NFL radar, guys, but Chad, maybe you can speak to the importance of this actual game where they've lost 16 in a row to the Chiefs. Oh, my goodness. The emotional uh, boost the entire organization would get to to break this streak. The all-time losing streak, I think, is 20 games. The Buffalo Bills lost to the Miami Dolphins back in the 70s. So they are getting into all-timer territory. So if, if this were to continue, that's going to be the narrative for the next four or five Chief games. They can break the streak. Sean Payton can then disassociate himself from the recent Bronco pass that he keeps being asked about and not brag about hump. what he's been able to do. Not my hump. Yeah, not his hump, but this, this, this can brag hump. about what, he, what he's been able to do. His hump has been beating the Chiefs, at least going one for one this season. Uh, it could be a tremendous thing. It would really spark that locker room, and I think it would be enough of a spark where there would be a deep-seated enough sense of belief where they would move from this supposed fire sale mentality that they've been operating under the last 10 days to two weeks to 
let's try to keep the band together. This band is good enough. We just need to find some improvement with our new coach. Yeah, it ain't over until it's over, and this season ain't over. I mean, they are two and five, but they get that win, they're three and five, and that'll be a two-game winning streak. Like, belief in a locker room is a powerful thing. You're trying to build towards the future. You know, Super Bowl probably ain't going to happen this year. But if you can build towards something in the lap, in the back half of the season that you feel good about, you can go into next season feeling pretty strong. But I, as far as this rivalry goes, you know, you remember Frank Clark came over here, and what did he say? There ain't no rivalry. Not over there. Right. We don't we don't right. think about it like that. We don't really care. You guys are, you know, um, I scratch you off my balls with my mother. My, Paul, you know, it's, a, it's, I say it, it's not going to get flagged. Okay. And if it does just edit that. But, um, uh, but anyway, the chiefs don't look at the Broncos like some, you know, deep threat. And so the Broncos, I think have an opportunity to come in here and play their best football and find a way to win, but they got to play 60 minutes, man. And they have yeah. not played a 60 minute game yet. Like Russell Wilson, I keep saying this, it's a mind blowing stat, just like the losing 10 straight games when you're up, up at half up at halftime Russell Wilson best completion percentage in the NFL in the first half worst in the NFL in the second half how Crazy. does that happen if he can figure that part of it out the Broncos have a chance okay I was around Michael Malone yesterday and he talked about his standard of excellence like they were having a sloppy practice he stopped everything and said guys our standards has to be higher he talked to Peyton Watson who was thinking he was guaranteed minutes and told him, nope, that's not the case. You've got to do blah, 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 blah. He just said, I expect more from our guys. Patrick Sertan was out at the Nuggets game and spoke about how that was inspiring to see a banner go up in the rings for him. I saw Deion Sanders, who went to the, um, the Nuggets game the other night. I thought it was an amazing speech in front of his team talking about accountability. Like, I think there are things to glean from championship teams, especially when they're right here in town. I think that is a fair point and well said by Michael Malone, a standard of excellence. So I'm curious what you guys think about that sort of mantra and demand that you get from a coach. And can that connect with the team, the Broncos, who haven't won? If you've never won, how do you stop losing, Chad? You've got to develop a personal standard that you operate with. The coach has to instill this message constantly. It's got to be something that's done from the very first meeting of the offseason of what the new standard is going to be, how the standards are going to be enforced. If you think about the Pittsburgh Steelers under Mike Tomlin, the standard is the standard. Everyone who walks in that building, everyone who goes to that organization knows that's going to be the case. So whenever you put in work, the standard is the standard. The weight room, conditioning, the offseason, the classroom, whenever you do anything there, you have to adhere to that standard. So for Sean Payton to try to install that for the Denver Broncos, obviously that would be a huge thing. Uh, and Michael Malone is on to something. Once you've achieved that standard, you've shown everybody in the world that you can do it. Now it is your responsibility to uphold that standard. So we've seen flashes from the Broncos this year. We've seen a good half on one side of the ball or a good half on the other side of the ball. They've yet to put a full 60 minutes together, but considering that they know that they can achieve a certain thing, the standard should be the standard. And that standard should be excellence because we have been able to do this in small places and in small increments. Now we just need to be able to do it for a full 60 minutes. And that comes by enforcing that mindset and doing it every single day in the building when you're not playing. 
how cool is it that, you know, Nikola Jokic, Michael Malone, what they've created there is mm -hmm. the standard of excellence in this town that folks like Coach Prime and Pastor Tan right. and Coach right. Sean Payton can look to and point to and be in awe of and try to emulate. That's a really cool thing. I hate to mention this, guys, but you are making my case for keeping Pastor Tan with a standard of excellence talk. Mm -hmm. And he was actually at the game to see that kind of stuff. Who is going to hold others to account? It was Nikola Jokic it, and, and that system and, and that culture was created by him who by the way some of our colleagues i don't know if any of you guys said it but over the years have advocated trading Nikola Jokic because he'll never have more value than he does now well he ends up being the guy who leads you to the promised land football is a little different than basketball you need more than just one guy you got 53 dudes in the locker room but um pretty amazing to watch what the denver nuggets have created and it's so solid. Their foundation is so solid. It's not flimsy. You're not relying on, you know, a 39-year-old LeBron James and hoping he's going to be able to give you 48 minutes. You have the best starting five in the NBA and a culture of excellence, like you just described, that makes everybody fall in or else you don't get on the court. All right. Great stuff, guys. And I don't want Chad to miss a play, so I want to be pretty quick with this one. Um, Jason Whitlock said, Deion Sanders is a nothing but a Pop Warner coach. Um, Chad... Uh, that's what Jason Whitlock said. Chad is, uh, where's where's Whitlock going here? And how important are these last five games for CU as they've got a stern test against the uh, Bruins who are selling out games finally after all these years? All right, Jason Whitlock has become a bomb thrower of the last year or two. So it's very difficult to follow Jason Whitlock on any social media because his opinions are just so outrageous. Um, okay, is there something to this thought that Jason Woodlock's trying to communicate about Coach Prime? Yeah. Is he a, you know, experienced football guy? Does he get up on the whiteboard and dazzle you with his X's and O's? No, he doesn't. That's not his skill set. Therefore, he hires coordinators on either side of the ball to be able to implement what he thinks is going to be a good scheme. That's not his... That's not the thing he's doing. He's not he's not Lincoln Riley. He's not dialing up some amazing offense, and, and and that's why he's the head coach. He's the head coach because he comes with charisma and swag. He's able to generate a tremendous ton of money for the city of Boulder, for the university. He's able to generate wins by bringing better players and recruiting better players. That's his skill set. So I don't think anyone has ever said Deion Sanders is a football savant and you just got to hit your wagon to him because he's going to out-scheme everybody the Buffs play. That's not his style. So Jason Whitlock is off base from the from the point of there are lots of ways to organize and run a college football organization, and Coach Prime is a great example of that. As far as these last five games of the Buffs, they got to find a way to win, too. They have to. Mm -hmm. They have to end up this season 6-6. Six and six. They've got to get into a bowl game. There are some tough games coming up against ranked opponents. Even teams like Arizona, which haven't been good in recent years, have been right. improving. So the Buffs do not have an easy one at all in the last five games. UCLA is going to be tough this week. It's going to be Utah at the end of the season. So they've got to find a way to improve. And Coach Prime is expecting improvement coming off the bye as they've dived a little deeper into some of the schematics and game plans and how to implement the best user personnel. So I expect them to be better. Will they be good enough? I don't know. If your company needs help going forward in the digital world, it's our pal Rob at Rob at Desk.com. Rob at Desk.com, digital ads, social media, content, podcast. Rob is amazing. We love Rob. Go to www.robatdesk.com. Click on the contact tab and connect. Nate, what time is all the, um, uh, do you have to be down at the dock and what are you offloading today? Yeah, we got a big shipment of, uh, of uh, different kinds of paper, different colors of paper, different uh, sizes of paper coming paper. in. 
Yeah, paper, paper. paper. Uh, me, and, me and Michael Scott. Yep, it's coming over from, uh, well, I can't talk too much about it. It's kind of a secret deal. Um, I do want to mention really something quick about Coach Prime because the, okay. danger of the danger of having a CEO coach who is, you know, the, the charismatic, inspirational guy that can't get up on the whiteboard, it's great if you hire good coordinators who come up with a good plan, but what if their plan's not working? You know, you want to have a coach would be like, maybe let's try this or, hey, this is why it might be not be. And he's not that guy. So so if you're if you're if your plan doesn't work, you're kind of screwed. You know, if you've got a team who's on top of you from the moment from from the jump and is able to see what you're doing, then your head coach is not the guy who's going to make adjustments. And I think that can be detrimental. Guys, love you both. Um, Chad, have a great weekend. Good luck, Nate, with whatever you're offloading. Um, we will have an instant react to the Nuggets and the Grizzlies game, which gets going. Also, CU-UCLA will be out there for the Broncos. And the Avalanche have an early game Sunday. He's a nut, Chad. I don't know what this He's, is. He's our guy. Yeah, we love him. Okay. <laughs> Tell you the truth. We'll see you. Yeah, that's right. Take care of us.